Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. If you want to support There Are No Girls on the internet, please check out our Patreon. There, you can get ad-free bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash and thanks so much. As someone who thinks about the intersection of gender, sex, and technology, where do you think we are headed? To hell. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. People who engage in sex work face hostility online, but they're also the ones who remain at the forefront of understanding technology, the internet, and the role that it plays in all of our lives. From increased online surveillance and legislation like SESTA-FOSTA, it's people who engage in sex work who are often sounding the alarm about how online harms might start by targeting one community like sex workers, but will later manifest for all of us. So, in conversations about the future of the internet and technology, it's critical that all marginalized voices, including sex workers, are included. My name is Olivia Snow. I am a dominatrix and a research fellow at UCLA's Center for Critical Internet Inquiry. Olivia studies sex work, technology, and policy, and writes about it on the internet. She's been doxxed and harassed online for it, too. But that hasn't stopped her from centering sex workers in conversations about the internet and technology. 
So something that I love about your work is that you really like lean into and interrogate this intersection of sex work and technology in the internet. Um, what has that been like? Like, why do you think it is so important for people who care about the internet and technology to understand how sex workers show up on the internet, how sex workers use technology, and how has that been sort of prescient about where we're headed next? I feel like sex workers are sort of like, they know what the fuck is happening on the internet and where we're going. <laughs> shit that, shit that like, it's like they are constantly calling stuff correctly. How is that? I remember I was on the subway home from work at like three in the morning and I was going through, I think, Facebook. And on my people, you may know all of my coworkers were on there. And like, we never, we, we didn't know each other's real names. Like, I didn't, I don't want to know any other sex workers' real names, especially if we're in like a double session. You know, I don't want to be like Mistress Megan or whatever, if like her name's like Emerald or something. Uh, so I was like, oh my God, Facebook is doxing me, like doxing my, I mean, I guess not doxing because doxing means with malicious intent, but well, maybe, but still. <laughs> um, and, you know, it was obvious, like, okay, like, we're in close physical proximity, we're sharing the same, like, Wi-Fi network, like, it makes sense that, you know, we're together 12 hours a day. Um, but, you know, that's when I started really, I don't know, noticing how harmful just, like, being on the internet is, even if you're or having a cell phone, even back in, like, the 90s and the early thousands, we're getting their bank accounts closed um, for doing sex work, which, like like how did they know you know even like before cell phones like how the fuck would like chase bank know that the money you're depositing is from sex work and like try like oh, okay you know if you're depositing a certain amount of money in a certain uh like size of bill at a certain atm at a certain time then like you're either selling drugs or you're selling sex yeah i've read your piece about or i've read pieces about like being today being banned from platforms like Venmo or even Grubhub, or it's like, I'm just trying to get a chicken sandwich. Like, I'm just trying to get lunch. And I guess I wonder, is there a lot of the people that I talk to on this show, they are marginalized people who have been raising the alarms about things on the internet. And oftentimes it's like, this harm is going to impact a marginalized group, and then it's going to impact everybody. Is there a vibe that you feel where it's like a constant kind of I told you so or a constant kind of like yes. I hate to be right all the time where folks engaged in yes. sex work are like <laughs> constantly talking about these increased levels of surveillance and digital judgment um, and have been kind of for a while. Oh, absolutely. And like, you know, I used to really love being like I told you so because I'm like an, kind of an asshole, but like I don't love it now. <laughs> I, I hate it. Uh, I'm, I'm working on an article right now where like canary in the coal mine is the metaphor that's usually used but like that depends on the miner actually listening to the canary and getting the fuck out of the mine which doesn't happen it's more of a like cassandra kind of situation where we're like god like if and you know people just think we're making it up um so like i got banned from doordash about a year ago and i tweeted about it, it went like semi-viral um and a bunch of sex workers were in my replies like oh my god this happened to me like what the fuck and then a bunch of uh, non-sex workers were like, well, I I don't know. How are you sure? <laughs> like, maybe it was something else. Like, did you violate terms of service or whatever? Um, And, you know, it, like, it was abundantly obvious to me because I've also been, you know, I've been kicked off Venmo. I've been kicked off Cash App. I've been kicked off Field, which is weird because that's like a kink site. Yeah. I'm like, really? really? <laughs> I've been kicked off Tinder. Um, and, 
you know, it's, it's a TikTok, like a bunch of, I'm, my TikTok account has been suspended, like, I think twice. And I've never even posted anything on TikTok ever, like, at all. Um, so it's clear to me that there's some type of data sharing happening, whether it's, um, you know, that you're on the same device, whether, it, you know, other, whatever details, I don't know, I'm not the kind of doctor, but, um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, an algorithmic sweep of high risk accounts, then sex workers are going to get caught up in it. Um, which like, I mean, also I feel like responses, at least to my personally losing DoorDash was kind of like, like, oh, well, I'll make you a new account or like, how can I send you a sandwich? And I'm like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> like, the point is that like fucking DoorDash is like somehow privy to this information. It's frustrating. I guess to, I mean, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily gaslighting because like, I guess people really do believe that I'm, you know, making it up or whatever, or like, this can't be true. You know, DoorDash isn't, well, actually no, DoorDash, I remember when this went viral and the New York Post reached out to DoorDash, they were like, no, we would never. So that's gaslighting. But <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's frustrating. It's one of those things that people really have to listen to and center marginalized people, sex workers very much included when you're thinking about the future of the internet. And so much of your work is like, speaks to that and looks to that. And like, you know, when we're thinking about the kind of internet that we want to have, um, making sure that those voices are centered, like, you know, when we have legislation like the Kids Online Safety Act that, you know, has so much bipartisan support, when you hear things like, oh, this is a law to legislate the internet in order to protect kids. Protect kids. What goes yeah. to your mind? Like, what do you think when you hear stuff like that? I mean, you know, if you'd asked me that question six years ago, I'd be like, we should protect kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally nobody, at least nobody in Congress, gives a single shit about protecting kids. I'm like, half of these people were on, like, the Epstein book. What it, like, they... They do not care. Um, it's clearly like a smokescreen for increased surveillance to me. Like, that's all I think at this point. I do not believe anyone. I mean, well, I mean, we've seen it, you know, in other sectors, like the like rising homophobia that I personally haven't seen since like 2004. Um, that's also, you know, protecting kids from like groomers or whatever the fuck. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, I don't even think that that people making those claims at this point are doing it, it like I don't I don't think they're doing it in good faith period you know this is always and you know it's not necessarily about sex workers but yeah this is always about increased surveillance they do not care about kids if they cared about kids they'd be working on guns are they working on guns no so like that's yeah it's and it keeps working I'm like also like. I mean, I know I'm like relatively quite privileged. Like I'm a white woman with a PhD. Like that's pretty high up there. Um, and I often get pushback that's like, like you're a privileged white woman with a PhD. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, exactly. And you're still not listening. Like, <laughs> like uh, I mean, imagine if I if I weren't like, then we wouldn't even be having this argument because you wouldn't like deign to bother with me. Let's take a quick break. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. 
Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment, whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. And we're back. Roe versus Wade was overturned almost a year ago. And since then, we've all had to navigate what online privacy really means when simply accessing information online about abortion can be used as evidence to put people behind bars. Now, this is something that sex workers know all too well. That same vast network of online surveillance and criminalization used to target sex workers also threatens people who need abortions. In a piece for Wired called, Are You Ready to Be Surveilled Like a Sex Worker? Olivia points out that this post-Roe world is simply the next step in a larger campaign to expand state surveillance and erode the right to privacy, a campaign that sex workers have been fighting for decades. Do you see a connection between sex work and abortion rights as it pertains to the internet and the way it's legislated? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, just like the ways that they're tracked, like, okay, so this is going to be an underground economy, you're going to have to use cash, they're also going to be monitoring how you use cash. Um, you know, your, your, like, geolocation will be weaponized, um, you know, like facial uh, recognition technology in, at like traffic stops might be used to identify you like shit that you thought was private isn't in a lot of the same ways. Um, if not like almost all of the same ways. <laughs> um, and I mean, it's all just, you know, uh, 
trying to restrict what women do with their bodies. You know, and like, regardless of if that, you know, is the actual outcome, I think that's the intent. Uh, on one hand, on the other hand, I'm like, I don't, I also don't care what the intent is because like, um, like I don't want to waste my time being like, but why is fascism? Like, I, like not the point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I see them as entirely connected. I mean, same with, um, with the like anti-trans legislation. Like it's all about um, restricting what people do with their own bodies. It feels like we're in a much more dire place because the last time that, you know, before, like in the 70s, before Roe was the law of the land, we didn't have this like vast surveillance network. We all didn't carry right. GPS devices in our pockets. And I feel like one of the ways that we're kind of worse off today is that there has been this sort of piece by piece tacit in like normalization of that. But I think that we have right. this relationship with tech companies that like, it's fine that they surveil us. And actually, maybe it's good. Like, I have nothing to hide. I'm never going to do anything wrong. Like, you right. know, where we don't even think about it anymore. Like, when um, Ring released that show that was like, Ring Nation, funny videos <laughs> that you get from your Ring camera. I think that's meant to, I think it is meant to signal to us that, like, this vast surveillance is actually good because it creates funny moments that you get to watch on TV. So you shouldn't really think that right. critically about it. Right. No, and I mean, I think that's also tied up with, like, the way that, like, I, I've been calling it, like, the clout economy kind of works, where, I mean, thank God I didn't tweet in 2013. I think I had Twitter, but, like, you know, like, stupid shit that, like, you know, whatever, we've all said stupid shit that we don't need to have on the internet, um, that just kind of, like, follows it also makes me think of like the GDPR, like there's no right to be forgotten anymore. Mm -hmm. There's no grace. Um, if you, I don't know, do something stupid and you know, everything is so bad faith in a way. I myself barely show up on social media because I don't want to deal with it. Like I, right. obviously there's, there's like egregious cases, but like for the most part, you know, you and I are the same age. We like, we have grown up online. And so like we were we were products of our age, products of our environment, products of like the social political climate of the time. I don't think this is the internet landscape that we want. I don't think it's the internet landscape no. that actually fosters things like good faith, disagreements, conversation, learning, you know, fucking up in public and being like, oh, I, I you know, I messed up. I learned something. I don't think we have an internet climate that welcomes any of that. It's it's just a ocean of bad faith attacks that you have to like, yeah. like a minefield that you have to navigate through, not something that you can actually show up to, to, you know, right. learn something. And like we're living in this fascist hellscape, like of course it makes sense that you want want to you know unleash that rage somewhere. Some people are very committed to weaponizing anything, and you're someone who is like quite visible on on social media. As we're in this like weird place with Musk owning Twitter, how has it impacted how you show up on on Twitter as someone who is so visible? Well, you know, I recently went face out maybe like two or three weeks ago after like long discussions with my therapist. <laughs> but like, you know, there there are so many, 
for until I got doxxed, I was meticulous about not even sharing my time zone, not saying anything about the weather, not saying if I was taking like a train or a bus or a car, or, or maybe I would like say I was taking a car because I don't own one anymore. Um, so that people wouldn't be able to track me down. And at a certain point, you know, it's horrifying to be doxxed, obviously, like I've had to move twice. Um, but um, like my parents found my dogs, which is how why I haven't like spoken to them in what over a year now which all was kind of a blessing in disguise because like fuck those two people i don't want to say like liberating because it's not it's horrible but um knowing that there is nothing you can hide like or yeah we were saying like oh i don't need to hide anything like no i actually do need to hide a lot of things (laughs) like my address and how i make money um but having that um just kind of pulled from you i feel like um it doesn't make things easier but um it it, like that there's a whole level there's a whole thought process that i would have to go through um to be like oh did i like erase the metadata did i crop out the time zone did i you know that i don't need to do Mm. anymore and that's weirdly well i guess not weirdly but that's you know, it, it freed up a lot of mental energy. I didn't realize I was expending. Yeah. I mean, I don't share anything that is re- like truly personal, like in a meaningful way with the internet right. because I, I don't have it in me. I feel like, I feel like there's a cost, particularly for women, particularly for women who are sex engaged in sex work. I think there's a cost that is, that other people don't have to carry. To, to being someone who's visible yeah. online. But what's, you know, what's most difficult for me, I think, is that, like, you know, if they want to, like, expose my shit, like, whatever, go ahead. But the people close to me, <clears throat> like, you know, my grandfather, for mm-hmm. instance, or, like, partners, ex-partners, friends. Um, like, but, I mean, my, my friend was doxxed. And I still don't know how those motherfuckers figured out that I was dating, period, let alone who I was dating. <laughs> um <clears throat> excuse me. Um, and you know, that too, was just fucking horrifying, but also made me think, you know, like the person I'm dating now is able to deal with that horror more than like some of my exes that I'm still friends with. Um, and you know, having to just carry the burden of protecting other people's safety and other people's privacy when my own has been just taken is a lot. (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, that's like, like, that's how it works. It's never just the, the woman, it's her partner, it's her mom, it's her community. Like, that's part of the way that this kind of harassment functions. It's like, I'm not going to just come after you. I'm going to make everybody, I'm going to get, make there be a cost for anybody associating with you in your community. Right. Or like when I've done like panels, or you'll probably get this when you upload this in like however many weeks or whatever, people will be like, um, so I just wanted to let you know that Dr. Olivia Snow is actually a fascist and I'll probably like send you some deranged Twitter threads like about how I'm, I don't know, like drinking baby's blood. Cause that's not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't like, I have gotten, I hope this doesn't sound weird. I have gotten only once a DM from somebody I didn't know, just so you know, you're following this person who was like kicks puppies, kills babies. And I, didn't reply because I have a blanket rule. I 
don't engage with that. If you're going to tell me that someone was violent toward you or something, that totally different story. Right. I don't engage with this attitude of how can I cut this person down by making them lose followers on Twitter? <laughs> I'm not going to engage with it. Not interested well, at and, all. You know, years ago, I might have been like, oh, that's fucked up. I'll unfollow them or whatever. But, you know, now having had these, well, I mean, you know, years ago, I guess I didn't have the visibility on Twitter that I have now. So I guess it's kind of a moot point. But like, you know, unless you're telling me that, some, yeah, that, like you said, like that someone was violent to you specifically, or you can give me some like concrete shit that I can look at and be like, oh, wow, Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, right. And, and yeah. And even then, you know, if it's something from like a tweet that's taken out of context from 10 years ago, like that's, I, I just... This is what you're spending your time on? Really? Exactly. Like, what? I am not in the business of, like, legislating people's online grievances. It's just like, I'm, I'm, and I think it makes the internet worse for everyone when that's how people, perce- like, perceive it, when that's how people engage with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I find that people tend to reach out to other marginalized people specifically um to try to you know warn them that i'm you know sexist or homophobic or trans whatever the fuck um in a way like knowing that i am a part of a lot of these communities that they're trying to just sever me from more after a quick break hi it's bridget todd host of there are no girls on the internet Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. 
Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let's get right back into it. Last month, Elon Musk overhauled Twitter's verification system and ramped up Twitter Blue, the $8 a month subscription service that gives users access to perks like being able to post longer tweets and videos and giving the tweets of subscribers increased visibility. Thinking that anybody who spends money on Twitter Blue is financially supporting Elon Musk, in response, there was a short-lived campaign to block anyone with a blue check mark. Now, Twitter is pretty much the only mainstream social media platform that will sort of allow sex workers to show up there. Adult content is not explicitly banned on Twitter like it is on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And since some of the perks of Twitter Blue, like being able to post longer videos, could be good marketing for sex workers, it kind of makes sense that many of them would choose to stick around on the platform and pay for Twitter Blue, even if it's not an endorsement of Elon Musk or the way he runs the platform. So a campaign to block anyone with a blue checkmark on site is hostile to a community of people who already face digital hostility all over the internet. Thinking about Twitter and your relationship to it, when they rolled out the like Twitter blue subscription, there was a whole campaign of like block people with blue checkmarks. But then it was like, you know, there's Twitter, it seems to be a platform where a lot of sex workers do show up for their businesses to make money. And so if you're blocking all of them, like you're not really, you're not, you you feel like maybe you're getting one over on Elon Musk, but who you're actually harming is sex workers who need, you know, to make livings. And people are like, oh, you're giving $8 to a fascist. I'm like, do you know how much money this motherfucker has? $8 is a drop in the book. Like, really? Really? (laughs) Ridiculous. one of the reasons I'm so active on Twitter is it's the only platform that tolerates sex workers. Instagram hates us. Uh, I mean, I'm not on Facebook, period. I think I deactivated when I noticed that, like, all my coworkers were getting shocked. Uh, TikTok, obviously, like, I don't even use it and I'm not allowed on it. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, Twitter is is the one platform where we can exist as sex workers and not have to worry about getting booted at the drop of a hat. I mean, we still have to worry about getting booted Kind of at the top of that, but it's like slightly less bad. But yeah, no, and I mean, like, it turns out, I think that the, the the Twitter Blue subscription that like a lot of sex workers were getting didn't end up being that profitable, probably in large part because of the um, mass blocking, which of course, um, like algorithmically, each block deboosts your visibility by you know however many points. I've had people reach out to me to be like, oh, so and so is dangerous or whatever and in almost every case it's been a trans woman wow and like are they dangerous or do y'all really hate trans women because like (laughs) there's a pattern here and the pattern is not that dangerous like so you know with the block the blue thing you know like are are you really worried that people are giving money to a fascist like what is is he like the second richest person on the planet now like really yeah Yeah, like this is what you're going after and you're not trying to get i don't know like the irs 
to collect some of the money. <laughs> like, really, this is your priority? Um, and like, it, are, are you fighting fascism or do you just hate workers? I mean, it sounds like, even if it's not based in hating sex workers, which it likely a lot of it is, I think it's right. also about like not thinking about sex workers, not 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 like being able to see sex workers as people whose perspectives matter, right. who you want to like have a right to or, show up on an online space. Right. Or like, who are you okay with being collateral damage? Mm, that's exactly, that's, that's such a good way to put it. I think that's exactly it. That like, well, they don't really matter, you know. Right. Or like, well, we can't just, you know, stop fighting fascism so that sex workers can live. Like, you're not fighting fascism in the first place. But like, beside the point, um, you know, like you're I, just undermining your own point, number one. But like, I don't. Uh, when Olivia is asked how we build a safer internet, she bristles. How can we have a truly safer internet when it's born from a society that is often not safe? As Dr. Sophia Noble, author of Algorithms of Oppression, a groundbreaking work that confirmed that search engines are built with the same old race and gender biases baked into their algorithms has noted, technology is not neutral. It reflects the same dynamics that exist in society and the biases of people who create them. And this is pretty clear when it comes to AI. Back when the AI image generator, Lensa, was taking over everyone's social media feed, Olivia found that the program generated non-consensual sexualized images of her, even from images of her as a child. And she sees the way that this will be used to harass, especially harass people who are already marginalized online, like women of color, children, queer folks, and sex workers. She writes, This horror story that I just narrated sounds too dystopian to be a real threat. But as I have also learned through my own endlessly revolving door of cyberstalkers, no amount of exonerating evidence is sufficient to quell a harassment campaign. Coordinated harassment is already unfathomably effective in silencing marginalized voices, especially those of sex workers, queer people, and Black women, without AI-generated revenge porn. And while the technology may not be sophisticated enough to produce convincing deepfakes now, it will be soon. Your photos will be used to train the AI that will create magic avatars for you, and for only $3.99 a pop. You talked about how Lensa, like, it not it like non-consensually sexualizes people, even like ch- like images of them as children. And so I guess my question is like, what do you think about this time that we're in where everybody is talking about AI, it seems like? If you scroll Apple Podcasts, te- the tech charts, every podcast is about AI. We are having so many conversations about how quickly it is developing and how it's going to change everything, blah, blah, blah. Do you, like, like as someone who thinks about the intersection of gender, sex, and technology, where do you think we are headed? To hell. <laughs> Directly to hell. <laughs> I mean, with, sorry. <sighs> um, like, you know, with that Lensa piece, I didn't reach out to Lensa because I d- d- didn't even, yeah, I'm not trained as a journalist. So I'm just kind of like, derp, 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 I don't know. I don't have a transcript of the interview. Sorry. <laughs> like, um, but I didn't, I didn't reach out to them, but I think Jezebel did. And they were like, Hey, what do you, what do you think of this? It's like, it's creating, you know, child sexual exploitation material. Um, and Lensa's response was something like, well, that person should look into the laws in their jurisdiction. And they're always like kind of degendering me, like that person, they, them. And I'm like, I, I have a name. 
and uh, uh, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> and you know, because they might be uh, like subject to certain penalties for creating this, uh, like the problem, child whoa, 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 whoa. sexual exploitation. They create, like, you didn't create it. Right. Yeah. And they're like, well, we have a policy that says no photos of kids. And I'm like, uh, like, even, even if I wasn't, so the reason I even thought to put in those childhood photos is because I was just like doing experiments, like digging around. And I, so I first ran it with like just random pictures of myself. And I thought that the results were like, kind of like i was like oh these are pretty like, neat um and you know knowing that my face has been like circulated without my consent i'm like i don't get what they're gonna have my face oh no um and then i i ran it a second time using like pictures where i thought i looked hot <laughs> and, and that was where um it was uh creating nudes not consensually um and you know nudes being another thing that you weren't supposed to submit to it right so I ran it again. And did, did you did you run it or did no. you? No. Once, I, once so, I asked for money, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted. I was like, someone sent me three ninety nine. So it, there were three different gender options. It was, I think, female, male, and I want to say other. <laughs> right? So I ran it through the female one like twice. I ran it through the male one. And I, thinking like, well, like, give me like a beard or something. And it did maybe on like two pictures. But the rest, it was just still like hypersexual, just in like slightly different ways. And then I ran it on the like other <clears throat> gender option. And it made me look like a child. You know, I was like uploading pictures of like me, not like in my mid-30s. And it spit out pictures where I looked like a teenager. Um, And I think it was because... The the algorithm, which I just like hate saying, like as a like, the, like that sounds the Illuminati, but like the algorithm, um, its way of understanding like not male, not female, is just like totally desexualized and like infantilized, mm. um, which is you know why I suspect that it you know made my adult face and body look like that of a well not body but face look like that of a child. I think of like like uh Sophia Noble's algorithms of oppression, right? That like um the internet reflects back like our absolute worst tendencies. Um and not just because people are bigger dickheads on the internet than they are in real life. Um though that, you know, certainly doesn't <laughs> help things. But, um that like uh you know what's getting like the the input to the internet is like what are like the biases that our culture actually has and our culture like uh, our society our societies are disgusting we are racist we're sexist we're homophobic we're like we're awful <laughs> like as just a as a, a species um and the internet you know it it doesn't um it doesn't you know make value judgments it just recognizes patterns and what it's going to spit back out at us, especially with machine learning algorithms that are trying to, you know, tell us what they think we want to hear is going to be like the absolute worst stereotypes. Um, so, you know, it lends a like sexualizing women like, well, yeah, of course it did, because we are a disgusting society that sexualizes women and children. Yeah. And it's sad for me because I think there was definitely a time where like AI is so powerful that it, I, I would imagine that it can reimagine worlds where 
those kinds of harmful, like, stereotypes and racism, sexism, fatphobia, transphobia, horror, all of that, it, I would imagine a world, I would like to imagine a world where it is not just simply recreating these things and reestablishing right. these things. But I feel like it's so clear that that's not, that's not, it's a, it'd be a nice fantasy, but that's not what we're getting. Right. Well, and like, you know, there are some, um, like, some systems or features, like some content moderation in place that, you know, pre- prevents like just straight up slurs popping up and something like Chad GBT. But that, I mean, that that's obviously a, a Band-Aid. That's not going to uh, like, the, just like the, all the microaggressions inherent in all of this shit. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking, I was asked a few months ago to give a talk on like how to have a safer internet and I remember being like, what, that is a ridiculous question because you cannot have a safer internet until we have a safer society because the internet is just a reflection of that, then intensified. So like, sure, you can create some kind of AI to identify and take down like child sexual exploitation material, but is that going to keep kids safe? No, like not at all. You know, yeah. like I, yeah. And it, it's funny because, you know, your experience with Lenza with them saying, well, you could be facing, you know, some sort of punishment oh, right, for right, right. And it's like, even if Lensa, the app, even if the, the tool has a rule against uploading pictures of children, if there's no safeguard, if you're allowed, if you're able right. to do it, in what way is it really a rule, right? If you can just right. do it and still get those images, how is it a rule if there's well, no and, safeguards? Right. And with them, I was like, I'm not you know, writing this to like embarrass you. It's not like a gotcha. It's like, hey, this is violent. Maybe you should work on making it less violent. And of course the response is like, let's be more violent. <laughs> like, like I'm not trying to, you know, like ruin your business model. I'm trying to be like, hey guys, this is actually really dangerous. This is really dangerous. Maybe we should work on making it less dangerous. Um, and just, you know, I, I, I get being defensive. You know, I, I'm like, I've certainly been accused of being like, you know, a, a trafficker or whatever on Twitter because everyone's a fucking idiot. Um, like no one like, likes getting that, you know, pointed out to them, especially in a public forum. But like, uh, like missing the forest or the trees here. Yeah. Are you concerned about things like AI generated deep fakes and like a marketplace for that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The only thing that makes me that gives me some faint horrifying glimmer of hope is that um that technology is just becoming more and more widely available and I wonder if like deep fake revenge porn will just become so ubiquitous that the like first response will be like oh that's deep fake revenge porn instead of like Oh, that's real. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah, it's... Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it's already become a problem. See, I remember in that once a piece, I, I wrote something like, like, you know, with like in four to six months, deepfake revenge porn is going to be everywhere. And then like, lo and behold, four months later, <laughs> they're like streamers and shit um, just getting harassed with this. Um, and, you know, it's, revenge porn is interesting too. And I think this goes back to like why people like fucking with sex workers and just like marginalized people in general is that like it's not necessary it's not physically violent you're not like punching someone in the face you're you're you know but you, you are i mean and even beyond like damaging their reputation and damaging their career the like psychological warfare of some of this shit where it's just a constant environment of fear 
um, not even of what you're actually doing, but and not even what like you could per- be perceived as doing. I mean, I I see very little um, benefit to AI, if any, considering um, its potential for harm. Yeah, I personally have a little bit of trouble wrapping my head around all the different conversations about AI. What is PR? What is true? What is like doomism? What is marketing? Where do you think, how do you think AI is going to shape the experience of marginalized people 10 years down the line? I mean, I think that like there are some things AI is like actually good at and it's like stupid mundane office shit. Like I need to come up with a course description for a class. I've just, and I've been meaning to just get on chat GPT and be like, Hi, ChatGPT. <laughs> you give me a course description for blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like tweak it or whatever. But like, you know, writing like mundane emails and shit. Like, I, I can't even imagine the number of hours I spent in grad school thinking like, should I sign it with best or sincerely? Like that kind of shit, you know, AI, I think is is good for. But, you know, I cannot imagine without... um <clears throat> without restriction what will like i i maybe i could but i like don't want to you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like um you know i don't think that ai i know ai is not sentient i think that's a ridiculous argument um <clears throat> but the way that some of this gets coded gives ai not the agency but like doesn't restrict it from doing like wildly harmful shit um and you know, I, I really can't see a functioning society if AI continues at the pace that it is. I mean, and, and of course that like rests on the assumption that we're currently in a functioning society, which like is questionable. But, um, I no, I, I, I really can't, um, think of how that could possibly be a reality that anyone could live in. I mean, we're in this very weird moment in technology right now. Platforms feel weird. The future of platforms feel weird. A- all this fuck AI you, stuff fuck feels Elon weird. Fuck Elon Musk. Fuck Elon fuck Musk. forever. What the that, fuck? I know. It is, <laughs> it is bad. I mean... And I'm, just like the people I know personally who worked at Twitter who had like their entire lives upended and like lost their livelihoods. I mean, the, you know, the, which is such a like minor piece in the puzzle of like how he has fucked up the entire fucking internet. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. I mean... When we're thinking about going forward, like, why do you feel it's so important to include, like, why is it so important to make sure that the voices of sex workers are, like, really at the forefront when we're thinking about the future of the internet and the future of tech? Well, I mean, so sex workers, A, have to be on top of tech because we're, like, one of the first things in any term of terms of service is, you know, no sex adjacent anything like thanks FASA SESTA uh you know we're going to fight prostitution or whatever by making sure that like you know a dominatrix can't get a burrito right um yeah good job (laughs) yeah so we already have to you know like sex workers on the whole are a lot more familiar with like internet privacy and like how to use VPN and how to use like cryptocurrencies and shit um so like I mean that that's the the one but the other B being like sex workers are consistently the most loathed and dehumanized people like period (laughs) like I think of like like no humans involved what that has referred to it's been what what was it how did Sylvia Winter put it I think it was like 
black boys without jobs um undocumented people i want to say and and sex workers um we are, are we're so consistently dehumanized we're not seen as people if we are seen as people that it's only for like sadistic purposes that we are seen as such mm-hmm. <laughs> um and we are you know constant we're perceived as a safety threat um so to keep ourselves safe we have to you know be take these i, I want to say like see almost bizarre measures um to like stay safe in an environment that perceives our existence as a threat um and you know i think what i think is unique to sex workers in that respect is having to be like a step ahead of the curve in that like or like actually being specifically prohibited by policy because you know there, there are all kinds of demographics that are fully dehumanized but um you know sex workers aren't seen as like i guess like a demographic you know, I've, I've been trying to, like, theorize this, where, like, the internet kind of makes sex work, like, a fixed identity. Like, even if you're not doing sex work, you're still a sex worker. Um, and, you know, especially with the way that, um, that like, search engines and shit go are, you know, I, I don't know if I would still be in sex work if I hadn't been doxxed by my full name, which is ethnic as shit. I'm the only one on the planet with this goofy-ass Polish name. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd still be doing it. But at this point, I'm like, it's kind of a waste if, you know, uh, why would I be applying for academic jobs in fucking literature when they're going to Google me and find out that, you know, I was a dominatrix in 2019? I might as well be making money off of that because, you know, now I'm always going to be a dominatrix. Like, that is always going to be online. The way that, like, sex workers work, too, has been kind of, like, misunderstood and misapplied, which, you know, sex workers work means that, or should mean that sex workers deserve labor protections, like any other worker or workplace safety protections. Um, or, like, sex workers should, you know, who experience violence should be able to, you know, report that and be protected for it mm-hmm. um, or from it. Um, but, Instead, this like the, I feel like the popular view is like sex work is just another job, like working at um, like the mall, which means I can treat sex workers as terribly as I treat other low wage workers. <laughs> no, that is not it. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, and like, well, why don't you just get another job? And like, no, that's not what you know. It, it, and I get like, I, I think it's hard to to communicate that you know, like phobia is kind of like a, an amalgamation of all these other um like biases or like matrices of oppression um and that like the stigma is so bad that in almost every scenario you're not going to turn to sex work unless you have exhausted every other option mm. um which is why you know sex workers are usually like working class or poor or women of color or trans people think that sex work or like whorephobia is something you can like opt out of or like you could just quit being a sex worker versus like i can't quit being like a jewish woman Mm -hmm. um but like no you can't actually like even if i wanted to no one will let me um and i don't I, i think that that kind of nebulousness of sex worker as an identity also makes us such like a ripe um test population i guess for this kind of shit i saw this headline maybe like a week or so ago and it was like the fbi or the 
you know, Secret Service or whatever, misused some surveillance technology that was supposed to identify January 6th writers, which, side note, was my worst birthday. (laughs) No, your birthday is January 6th? No! Womp, womp. Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was like, uh, surveillance technology meant to identify January 6th writers um, was used against Black Lives Matter organizers. And like, I think it said like misused. Mm -hmm. I'm like... Was it misused? Because I think that's why it was made. <laughs> like, like I, th- I think that was the point of the tech. It's a feature, not a bug. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, these few demographics, I think Black Lives Matter gets, uh, is more visible than sex workers. Like, obviously. Maybe not obviously. I don't know. Um, and no one's going to argue, like, you could just opt out of being Black. Like, <laughs> right. That. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, as far as voices that um, are like a threat to, I don't want to say social order, um, but, or hegemony, I don't even know what word I'm trying to think of. But, <laughs> I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, that these voices that kind of threaten the status quo are uh, intentionally the most marginalized and therefore need to be amplified all that more. You know, I was thinking, um, I was in this workshop maybe like two weeks ago and everyone was talking about center marginalized voices and center marginalized voices. I'm like, okay, but the thing about marginalized voices is that they are marginalized. Right. Which means no one wants to believe them and no one's going to listen. Like, you can say center marginalized voices all you want, but like, does that mean that people are actually going to listen to those voices you're centering? No. um, so you know i I, like i I don't know how to push back on that exactly other than yelling on the internet which i do a lot of (laughs) well i always end my interviews with asking when it comes to the state of the internet and technology are you hopeful do you have any hope and if so what is it that gives you hope is it a hard no (gasps) yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> okay. So one thing that does kind of give me hope and this may be self-narcissistic, but I don't give a shit. Um, is that like, so I was on this, I was in this workshop that was just the marginalized voices one I was just describing. Like I was invited to this workshop to work, uh, to work on AI policy, um, and, you know, figure out what to do going forward. Um, and it was, uh, sponsored by the MacArthur foundation. And right, I'm like, hmm. uh, right. <laughs> like, yeah, right, <laughs> nice hotel for free. Um, but the fact that they're inviting a sex worker at all, um, to something like that, um, and it wasn't there with me, and then I mean, as far as like people you wouldn't expect to see at these kind of events, um, and I think there were two like a formerly incarcerated person and uh, another similar organizer. Um, who was invited, but like the fact that some voices, like the the most privileged of the marginalized, are <laughs> getting listened to a little bit, um, makes me think that's a step in a, in maybe the right direction. Because you know, I don't think that's something that was happening ten years ago. Yeah, like, take the hope where you can get it. 
yeah, that's, you know, my one faint glimmer. (laughs) And like, of course I don't, and I like always try to emphasize, like when I'm, when I say like, well, it gives me hope that I specifically am being listened to. Like, no, it's not about like me specifically or about sex workers specifically, because, you know, at the end of the day, this is all going to affect everyone. Um, So, you know, the fact that somehow these uh, like more vulnerable silenced voices are getting heard just a little bit, I think is hopefully a sign of more stuff in the right direction. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to Brand New on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.